Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast for the week ending January the 20th. On this edition, we're going to talk about the early days of Governor Sarah Sanders' administration, which have been filled with executive orders, lawmakers filing a lot of culture war legislation, and all sorts of fretting over big, terrible uh, legislative packages to come. Uh, Also, former state senator, uh, Jeremy Hutchinson uh, got out of jail after spending a lot of time there, and we're going to talk about that. I'm joined this week by editorial director Austin Bailey. Hello. How's it going? Oh, all right. How are you? Do you feel like you're thriving in the Sarah Sanders administration? Well, so I'm having some flashbacks, some like 2016 situation flashbacks where, um, do you remember... Uh, when Trump won and uh, people said, hey, you know what? People rise to the occasion. It's, you know, the office will make a better man of him. It's going to be better than you think. And then it wasn't at all. And actually it was worse. That's how I feel. Oh, okay. Well, so let's let's talk about some of the the reasons that you're feeling that way. Suspect some of it has to do with the barrage of executive orders that Sanders has put out. It's like Absolutely. almost every single day. Well, the, the frustrating thing about the executive orders is that it's just blather and pomp. Like it's, you know, it's, you know, messaging is obviously her thing. She was a professional messenger for the MAGA people and she's, she's very good at messaging and, you know, I guess it makes sense then for her to, to to be on top of that as she starts her reign over Arkansas. But, um, you know, executive orders don't have just a whole lot of, of power in Arkansas. Um, she'll need the, the, the legislature to, to sign off on most things. And, and a lot of the things that she's putting into executive orders are, it seems like, don't really fit there. But it's really just kind of, she's just sending a message like, hey, these are my priorities. I'm going to be I'm going to unleash these bold reforms upon you every day. Here I come. Um, so it's just been really bombastic and um, theatrical. Um, <coughs> and it's it's been a lot. It's it's hard to keep track of everything. But this week, I guess the big one was she said that she was reversing her predecessor, Asa Hutchinson's position, and that the state would get involved in the mask ban case. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, and bless it. Like, she wasn't here, I guess, during the pandemic because we didn't, you know, we never shut down schools. We didn't really fool with it that much. Um, and it's really a moot point. I mean, I haven't seen any mask mandates in any schools this whole school year. Um, there is that appeal, though, from one of the cases that's, that's still at the Supreme Court. I guess they could, you know, pick it up and make a ruling. But it really seems, it seems like a an issue that was kind of decided, like we've kind of been through this trauma and fighting and it's just, it, it was just something to, to kind of keep us riled up, I guess. Um, and, and it, and it did. I mean, a lot of people are pretty riled. I'm pretty riled, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it, it, as you say, it's not, it's not substantive at all. It's, it's, it's Mm-mm. blather. Um, but, but let's talk about some substantive issues. Sanders has promised that that this session is going to be all about tax cuts, so-called education reform, and criminal justice changes. 
i.e., building prisons. Uh, we haven't we haven't gotten any significant legislation on any of those topics. I think uh, folks sense that there's going to be you know more of the same in terms of income taxes. There's there's been a, a you know consistent hedge from Sanders and top lawmakers about their plans to eliminate the income tax. Uh, they they can't do it. They can't do it all in one bite. So uh, we're, we're not going to get that. So there, there's, you know, I think people are worried about that, but it's going to come. There's not much we, we can do about it. A lot of focus this week on the education package. You were you were at the Capitol uh, for some dual rallies of mm-hmm. folks on either side of the issue. Yeah, it, it, it was it was perfectly peaceful and, and collegial, actually. But yes, um, Americans for Prosperity, the uh libertarian, hyper-conservative group uh, started by the Koch brothers uh, through a a rally uh, for school choice, for vouchers. Um, Sarah Sanders showed up and gave a speech. And um, also in the audience were some Red for Public Ed folks, some teachers who showed up to show support for teacher raises and, um, you know, out of concern, about what could happen to to school public school districts to see their, you know, some funding pulled and um, st- but still have the same electric bill to pay and um, you know the same roof to fix. So um, you know, uh, we didn't learn really anything new. Uh, again, um, well, I think sorry, just to interject. I we the word is though that it's going to be one big package and that is all about keeping Republicans in mm-hmm. check. Because you've got right. you've got folks who care about various issues in the package, some who, you know, are, are really gung ho about vouchers, but don't want to, for instance, expand pre-K or maybe pay teachers more. Uh, yeah, she's so, going to force their hand. Like if you, oh, you're going to vote against teacher raises. Well, if you're going to vote against vouchers and you're voting against teacher raises, it's it's clever. Um, I, I don't know if it. If, if it's really how that's supposed to work. Um, but she or will work. I mean, that's a, it's a new approach. It's a new approach that probably will work, but I wish it wouldn't. <laughs> um, you know, she talked about how it's not school choice, it's parental choice, just some new kind of buzzword talking points, but, but specifics, we're still, we're still without any specifics. Um, uh, and I will, cr- I will uh, tell everyone to read a, 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 a letter, an open letter by Baker Curris today um, on Arkansas Times, uh, kind of comparing the promise of school vouchers to the unfulfilled promises of, of charter schools. It's kind of an interesting comparison. Uh, and I, I've been doing a lot of as yet uh, unpublished reporting on the criminal justice plan um, that that has seen it's gotten a little less attention. Um, but I've learned that the the plan is to to really tighten sentences to to make sure that all violent people who commit violent offenses and crimes against uh, sexual crimes against children serve 100 percent of their sentences. And then those who commit, you know, more serious, still serious crimes, uh, which hadn't necessarily been identified exactly what those are, would serve 85 percent. And that that plus the uh, ongoing uh, county jail backup um, 
will necess- necessitate building, you know, as many as three new prisons, uh, according to to Jimmy Gazaway, or or I'm, I'm saying three new prisons. He he talked about three to five thousand new beds, and so that sounds like three new prisons to me. Uh, Jimmy Gazaway, the the point person in the house, uh, told me this. So that's that's a big deal. That uh, I think you know you hear us talking. All all of these uh, big legislative packages are likely. To, to pass and in, in some form that we at least view as negative. Uh, but the, the real rub in, in all of it is despite the state having, you know, one point, almost one and a half billion dollars in, in surplus that it can take advantage of, all of the things they want to do will cost gobs and gobs of money. I mean, building three prisons would cost upwards of a, a billion dollars. And then you have ongoing expense. So, I think that's that's going to be a fascinating thing to 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 follow because, you know, they've promised this kind of generational uh, conservative change, but I don't it, they can't pay for everything they want to do right now. So we'll stay on that. Let's move on and, and talk about some of the the culture war bills that were filed or or discussed this week. The, the most prominent one that you covered in depth was uh, a bill that passed out of uh, Senate committee this week that would uh, classify drag shows as essentially like a sex business uh, and 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 have to uh, stay far away from the public, like you know the reason strip clubs and sex bookstores are in the sticks is because they have all these zoning restrictions. and so this this bill would treat drag shows in the same way, and it also um yeah, and it also keeps them out of any public um, property. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that it was it was seemed to me like a, a slam dunk. I thought that um, that the people who testified against against the bill at the Capitol, um, there were a, a lot of um, legal reasons why it just doesn't quite work. The bill is very broad. Um, it could be interpreted as basically making it illegal for um, a transgender person to, you know, be in a parade or sing karaoke. Um, It's, you know, pretty obviously an attack on the free expression of gender. You know, there were, you know, there was like a whole menu of legal reasons. And then, you know, they're just kind of, you know, the fact is it's just kind of misguided. Um, Athena Sinclair, a lovely drag performer, came and noted that you could see her face and actually not even her hands, just her wrists, that she had more clothes on than anybody else. That is pretty standard in, in drag. That it, There's lots of, you know, pantyhose and t- tights and leotards happening. There's no nudity. Um, but, you know, there was just this really uh, wide chasm of misunderstanding between um, the LGBTQ plus supporters and advocates and the the you know the tribunal of straight conservative Christian men who you know who voted like they voted, so we'll we'll see where it where it goes. Uh, I, I'm I'm dreading it. Yeah, well, and that that's a theme that has been in place for a number of years of the legislature. Is the Republicans take on all these culture war issues? They talk about it. They clearly don't understand it. Like Gary Stubblefield, the sponsor of the drag show bill, 
also has a TikTok bill and, you know, repeatedly talks about TikTok and how in China they're showing uh, they're showing uh, their children uh, through the TikTok algorithm, uh, kids playing uh, the violin and reading books where here it's all sexual and Huh. So, uh, what else did did was filed this week? Well, I think the big one that you just wrote about is is uh, yet another uh, abortion bill that would yeah, would criminalize racing over that one. It's insane. It, it it would classify abortion as homicide. So, and it and starting at the the moment of fertilization. Um, and it doesn't make any distinctions for any different stages of pregnancy. If a woman gets an abortion, she can be tried for murder. Anyone who, you know, supported her, encouraged her, um, gave her advice would be a criminal accomplice. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, we thought that we were as extreme as you could go in Arkansas. We already don't allow abortion, even in cases of rape and incest, only to save the <coughs> life and health of the mother. Um, but th- so this is, uh, I, I guess I, I didn't really think this would really happen, but it's its out there. It got filed yesterday. Uh, well, we can't run through all of them, but one more that we'll mention uh, that longtime listeners of the podcast and readers of the Arkansas Times will know that we have long been engaged in a legal fight against an anti-boycott law that the legislature passed several years ago that forces state contractors to sign a pledge saying they won't boycott Israel. This is cookie-cutter legislation that's made its way through dozens of states. Uh, we're, we're hoping for U.S. Supreme Court to intervene. Uh, but unsurprisingly, lawmakers have, have copied that bill but uh, used it to protect the uh the oil and gas and gun and ammunition industry so there's there's a new bill that would force all state contractors to pledge that they won't boycott investments into that uh which is just absolutely ludicrous there's also one the one that would require uh this the state not to do business with financial institutions that that discriminate based on those criteria of course the uh, ESG investments, uh, forget what the, the acronym stands for, but it's, it's basically, it's, it's a category of investing in, uh, in companies that, you know, that either don't have anything to do with climate change or guns or, or are doing something for the solution, uh, toward the solution, um, I mean, that's it's become such a big thing that every major financial firm has it. So uh, we're we're really on the front lines of the culture war here in Arkansas, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Let's let's move on and talk about uh, the uh, Jeremy Hutchinson case, which is something oh, that, yeah. that uh, Ma- Ma- yeah. Max Brantley covered quite a bit, and and I've picked up uh, on uh, after his retirement. He. Uh, you'll remember he's Asa Hutchinson's nephew, of course, son of former U.S. Senator Tim Hutchinson. He's a convicted felon who will be sentenced in federal court on federal bribery and tax fraud charges in a couple of weeks. He's been in Pulaski County Jail or was in Pulaski County Jail on contempt charges since late last year 
because he owes more than half a million dollars in child support. And uh, now retired judge Alice Gray threw him in jail because he he'd done so little to pay toward it. But her replacement, Kara Connors, set aside that contempt ruling or converted it to a criminal contempt ruling and allowed him to either do time served for 30 days or get out of jail immediately if he paid $10,500, which was the equivalent of one month's child support. <coughs> so unsurprisingly, the, his uh, Hutchinson's ex-wife was not happy. And this this lead up to all this was just incredibly pathetic with Hutchinson uh, just over and over pleading poverty and saying all the things that he could offer the court to be auctioned to go toward paying his half a million dollar debt. Things like the title to his daughter's car, used earbuds. Uh, in court, he reportedly said that that he could uh, offer sand collected as a child on a beach. I liked the 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 photographs of him working at the Capitol. Oh, right in the in the Senate. Yeah, how much would you pay for those, Lindsay? <laughs> Fifty cents. Okay. Well, uh, and, so, and this this all you know the this was met with incredulity by the the previous judge. Uh, Hutchinson lives in West Little Rock in a house that's under his wife's name. He he is taking vacations. His wife's gotten cosmetic surgery. He uh, they have a pool. Um, his father has spent and friends have spent many thousands of dollars defending him in this federal bribery charge. So he's, uh, he seems to have just protected himself uh, and, and comes across like a deadbeat, really. And that's- uh, it's, I mean, it, to me, uh, you know, the Hutchinson family is, is not hurting for cash. And I, I just, you know, hearing about this mom who, uh, you know, is working hard to take care of Jeremy Hutchinson's kids while he, you know, frolics around in his swimming pool and pays nothing. I, I, I'm really, I mean, it's pretty disgusting. But the most exciting part of the news, if you can leave behind all the, yeah, as you say, yes, it's totally disgusting, is that we learned in court filings that Jeremy Hutchinson has just <gasps> self-published a mystery novel. Mm, yes, I can't it's wait. Coming this weekend. It's called The Ghost of Baldhead Island, a reunion of college friends turns deadly. And what? the one of the characters is a corrupt Department of Justice official. And as our former colleague Benji Hardy pointed out, maybe not the best idea to unveil a new novel about a corrupt DOJ official just before you're about to get sentenced in federal court. Well, so. it's possible that this could be a bestseller blockbuster and his his debts will be paid. Yeah, maybe so. All right. Well, let's move on and uh, do endorsements. What do you got this week? Well, I mean, in addition to the obvious endorsement of the Baldhead Island book. Uh, <laughs> Even before you've read it. Yeah, I, yes, I, I already know it's going to be a showstopper. Um, but 
I've been reading this great book called Demon Copperhead. Have you heard of this? Yeah, I have. Barbara Kingsolver. Barbara Kingsolver. And it's it's all about uh, what well, what I really like about it. It's about opioid addiction, which I do not like. Um, but it's it's uh, based on the David Copperfield Dickens, and it's so interesting to me the way the storylines are parallel. And um, I didn't think I would I would like it, but I love it. Highly recommend it. Um, <coughs> it's it's uh, you know a bleak reality of opioid addiction so i guess it's not really like the best escape from our bleak reality but it's it's fascinating and beautifully written and recommend okay awesome uh i just finished uh on hbo the show industry which has been out for a while i think the second season was last year um i think it gets quite a bit of attention but maybe not as much as some of the other big hbo shows it's set in a big financial firm a global financial firm and in the offices of london something like you know i don't know morgan stanley or goldman sachs right better example uh with just all sorts of high stakes uh money stuff going on but also just incredibly corrupt rich people and young people doing lots of drugs and having lots of sex um it's very soapy but also smart and and pretty dramatic had a really good run of uh, oh what's his name uh jay Duplass, uh who you would reckon you, you may not know his name but you'd recognize um as a as a hedge fund bro this year he's, he's really great so check it out industry on hbo okay all right well thanks for listening everybody have a safe weekend uh try to do something that helps your mental health in these troubled times and we'll be back next week. Bye.